0: Hey Atari hackers, welcome to this week's podcast episode. In this episode, Mark and I are buying a website and we're making the plan to fix it in the next 90 days and make it grow. Well, we're not really buying a website, but we are pretending we're buying a website on Flippa, picking the exact URL and showing you how we would turn it around, make it better, make it more money, and possibly flip it after that, or maybe keep it and make it bigger. When we polled you, you guys told us you really like this kind of practical episodes. So we're trying different formats here. Let us know if you like that kind of format in the comments and give us a thumb up if you like it. But I'm not going to tease you more. Let's get started with the episode. Welcome to the Authority Hacker podcast. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Hey everyone, welcome to the Autority Hacker podcast. As you can see, I don't have the usual background behind me. I'm actually traveling to Portugal for four months because I couldn't handle another winter in Eastern Europe, to be honest. So that's going to be my background for a little bit. But that's not the point of this podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be essentially playing a little game with Mark where we would virtually be buying a website on Flippa and how we would try to turn it around slash make it gain value for maybe another flip in just 90 days. And so we have picked the website and we're going to do the full case study with you, explain to you what we would do, which tool we would use, etc. And I think these kind of episodes are really interesting because they allow us to really dive into practical details of building, running websites, making them better, etc., which tend to be the kind of episodes where people get the most value, so that's why we went for that. Let us know in the comments, actually, if you enjoy that format, we might do it again if it works out. If it doesn't work out, we'll do something else. But anyway, Mark, how's it going?
1: It's going good, thank you, uh, in the uh, cold Scotland here. We just got our first sort of like ice on the car window in the morning, so I'm not jealous at all of your mild Portuguese weather at the moment.
0: It's 21 degrees now here, yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> it's
1: like summer here, it's 21 degrees. Yeah.
0: Uh, it's pretty good. It's a bit cold at night, but otherwise... I quite enjoy it. Let's see how it goes. It's obviously doing work, doing what we do now with the video setup, etc. Et it's been a bit of work to even set up this basic version of what we have now because I'm shooting still videos for H Pro, etc. right now. The other system as well. But it's pretty fun. So I'm here for four months actually. So we'll see how it goes. But anyway, that nobody cares about my life. So <laughs> let's talk about the stuff people care about, which is the case study site with potential revise. So the way we found this site actually is we went on Flippa, and we look for sites that sold already. Because the problem with sites that are for sale, especially with an auction system, is you can't really tell what value the market attributes to them. So it's better to look at stuff that was recently sold. So it's more realistic as to like what we would pay for what, etc. And we actually gave ourselves some constraints. So first of all, 90 days. So we have 90 days to essentially quote unquote, turn the site around, but just make it better in general, try to make more money with it, have a gross plan, basically, etc. And we gave ourselves a constraint in budget, which is pretty large, to be honest. Looking back now, we put 50K in budget, $50,000, but like-
1: that, that includes buying the site, though.
0: Oh, yeah, that includes buying the site, yeah. So it's like, we start with the site that already makes some money, et cetera, like something that's quite realistic for a lot of people who are looking to get started with this with like a decent budget, but not an incredible budget as well. It's not like, we're not talking millions, etc. like lots of sites sell for a lot more money than that. So the site we actually picked is outdoorgearshub.com. So it's a bicycle site that sold on Flippa, I think it was 59 days ago, let me actually open the listing, something like that. 54 days ago for $22,100. So it's not like a, a big, big surprise. And what I liked about this is like, we didn't just throw a lot of money at the website. Like we actually have some money left to do some stuff with it, which, allows us to not do everything like you can buy sites and turn them around but obviously you usually need more time because you'll need to essentially spend your time to fix that stuff do you want to go through the stats of the site
1: yeah so it's a one-year-old site give or take and it's around dr32 so you know it's out of that initial early stage site and i, I feel like with a dr30 plus site you can kind of work with it and see fast results with, with something like that
0: yeah you skip the first year of like no results no nothing because you are like in a sandbox. Exactly.
1: Maybe. And on Flippa, one of the good things is sites actually share their revenue and traffic over the last 12 months as well. So you can see that the first six or seven months of the site, it- didn't really get much traffic. But then it sort of slowly started to take off a bit, and at the time it sold, it was getting around 15,000 page views per month. We've got to remember as well that cycling, I imagine, is somewhat seasonal. You know, More people obviously want to be outdoors and Very do that seasonal. in the in the summer. So it did have a, a peak in August of almost 21K, and it was down to 15, 16K in September. And I would expect, if no work's done on the site, to continue down. Maybe Christmas, Black Friday might, might perk up a a bit.
0: I was going to say it spikes at this period, then it just goes back down the to oblivion until March or something. Yeah,
1: but the winter is likely going to be a quiet period for the site, which is fine because that's the time when we're going to be, quote unquote, working on the site in this imaginary example here. So, in terms of revenue, though, the site last month it made $1,200. And in August it made what was it almost sixteen hundred dollars. July was fifteen hundred. So it's like low four figure range at the moment, which again gives us something to work with. It's so a little bit of money coming in. We can reinvest all of that money in the growth of the site, in addition to anything else we've we brought to the table as well. So, and we were sort of discussing this before the the show at a value valuation which is sold for of twenty two k and the revenue for the last three months being sort of around about 15K. Let me just work out what that is. That works out about 14 to 15X multiple if you take the last three months, which is this new kind of baseline of a multiple, which is really good. And
0: 22X for six months, yeah, so it's like, yeah, it's really good for the Which is really, really,
1: really good, yeah, especially considering those months are summer months and are likely to be kind of higher revenue overall. So I think this is a fantastic purchase, whoever acquired this.
0: Yeah, that's why I like it because of the value you get for it. It's like you're out of the sandbox, you get some and the content is decent. The links are decent. It's nothing like us shattering, but like everything's decent. Even the tech setup is decent. It's built on General WordPress. They use like a lot of the stuff that we use. It looks a lot like someone who follows our training, to be honest. But like I like it because for me, it's like I get the base. I get to get results really quickly when I put new content, when I do all of that. And I don't need to change a lot of stuff because usually when you buy sites, You kind of like throw half of it away because you don't like it, you don't like the tech, you don't like the theme, you don't like some of the content, etc. And here there was not a lot to throw away for really good value. And so like I felt like
1: Which means that rather than spending 90 days changing out the tech and moving everything off whatever platform, we can actually just work on the SEO, which is gonna make the biggest difference. Yeah, and
0: make more money, like focus on like let's just make more money. And that's why it's like usually I'm the guy that's like, well, it's so much cheaper to build than to buy. In this case, I actually, like, be happy to put my money down for this site, provided I have the time to actually work on it. Right now, we're quite busy with a lot of stuff. But if I had the time to work on a project like that, yeah, I think it's good value. I would put my money down and I would buy it at this price. And I think I could turn around a decent profit working on this site, actually. Uh, not, not a lot is wrong. So, yeah, it's like I've done, like, obviously, I didn't do, like, the full due diligence, etc. But I've looked at the links. Is there a lot of shit links, etc.? The links are pretty relevant. They tend to be on, like... Sites that are not extremely high DR, like the average would be like a DR40 site, but it's quite related to like outdoors and cycling, etc. cetera. Like the relevance of the links is decent. The content is decent too. So for example, I was looking at the review they have for helmets and you know, they have like, graphs that shows you like the different layers inside the helmet to protect your head in the buying guide and and, like lots of like little things like that that was like yeah that's decent content it's like if i was looking to buy a helmet i would find value in this it's not perfect but it's honestly pretty good and i think it's a really really good base to start from at this price so let's go through the pros and cons of this site i mean first of all yeah the price was good for what you get the tech stack i liked it a lot I think the key use generate price is very simple, but the content is formatted decently. The button colors are a little bit all over the place, for example, in the CTAs, things like that. But like uh, overall, it's not difficult Easily to fix that. fixable, those even things, bo- yeah. Yeah, exactly. And what I like is I have, on my 50K budget, I have $28,000 left to add content, build links, etc. So I, I don't have to do everything myself, even though my the budget is like, it's a good budget, but it's not an insane budget for like, acquiring a website and growing it, etc. Like it's fair. The cons is it's a seasonal niche. So it's like if you're getting hit by an update in April and then you're just down for six months and you go back up, your year is over. And so that is a bit of a problem given the volatility of rankings in Google these days. You're playing a little bit of a roulette game on your earnings for that. Yeah, so it's like that can happen, you need to really nail that, that these few months of the year because they will, they're gonna be 80% of your money, basically. The second one is it's a competitive niche. Bikes is not the easiest niche, there's easier stuff, but it's it's fair. Given the fact the fact that you start at the R30 plus. Okay, like it doesn't take a lot of work to get to, like, 40, 50. And then I think you can get some traffic. I found the R50 sites in that niche that get, like, 400k traffic. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, but that shows you that you're not too far in terms of authority from being able to compete. But you probably need to still, like step that gap between like these sites and your level of authority and there's about a 15, 15 to 20 points of DR to catch up. Obviously, DR is not perfect to calculate that, but it's an easy way to just discuss about this.
1: One other negative or con I would add just around the niche of, of bikes is they're quite bulky, expensive products. And so if you want to do product in hand type reviews with the bikes themselves, that can be challenging in terms of, it, it can be quite expensive, you need a lot of space to store them, getting them shipped is expensive. All the logistics of that can be a little bit difficult, but there are other ways to go with it, with like accessories and info content yeah. and stuff as well, which we'll, we'll talk about as well, but that's just something that's a some potential negative as well.
0: Another issue with that is that because a bike is an expensive purchase, Amazon is less interesting because people usually probably will have a longer window than 24 hours to make a buying decision. And quite often people will use your links, eventually buy the bike, but they might have lost your cookie by the time they buy on top of stock issues. So we've been in niches like that where these are like... Big items is lots and lots of uh, references for the sizes. So, like a given bike will have like four or five different sizes, and so it's a lot, a lot of inventory for bike shops, and even for stores like Amazon. Quite often, they are not going to have uh, some sizes available in different markets, in different areas, etc. And overall, like quite often, you send. I feel it clicks that will not result in a sell, not only because people take longer to buy, but also because the stock is not gonna be here. And it's quite a bit of a battle for stocks. I mean, we've been in uh, other sports markets like that, where the equipment was like actually we said we went golf, like we had we had a podcast about this, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hide it. We went golfing. It was the same problem for golf clubs. Quite often, especially if people were not buying the golf clubs of that. Yeah, the stocks were rare and very, very often you'd get out of stock issues on Amazon. So well, that is
1: one other thing to consider there is some bikes, you know, are especially if you get into electric bikes, are many thousands of dollars and people aren't always ready to spend that amount of money on something online. So quite often what they'll do is they'll research it online and then they'll go into the store and
0: that try might. it on
1: and buy it. Sometimes they will try it on in the store and then come back and buy it online. But with that kind of delay and those issues there, it can present issues for cookie tracking, especially if you're on Amazon, what is it, like 24 hour cookie. If they don't buy there and then, then most likely you're not going to get commission for that sale. So yeah, there's some issues there.
0: Yeah. And uh, finally, another issue, if you're using Amazon, which the site is using, is actually some of the top pages may be against the terms of service. So like some of the top pages are like best road bikes or dirt bike under $500, for example. And actually, according to Amazon's terms of service, you're not really allowed to make claims on prices because they can vary so much. And like, what if that that is actually a $510 bike now and you claim it was $500? The thing is, like, it's against terms of service, but I've never seen anyone get banned on Amazon for that. So it's kind of like a gray area. I personally, if I was on this podcast and someone wasn't going to call me out on this, <laughs> I would probably not care that much because I've never seen people have problems with that. But it's something to be mindful about. And then if you're getting like audited by Amazon stuff like that, which does happen, that's something to take into consideration, basically. So that's pretty much the limitations for that site. So there's pros, there's cons. But still, for that price, it's pretty good. And I think it's a good buy. Whoever bought it did a good deal. Unfortunately, since they bought it, they literally published no content or didn't do much at all, actually, from what I've checked. So it's not really, maybe they can take that plan and apply it after that. So, the thing with that site in terms of the vision, like, where do we want to go? Basically, what do we want to do with that site? Let's say we purchased it, we got it for $22,100. What's the plan? Go ahead. So, oh, I mean, I, I, I
1: think at the moment it's positioned very much as an affiliate site. It's reviewing yeah. bikes, bike helmets, bike accessories, all these kinds of things. Your typical Amazon affiliate review site that most people listening to this podcast know and love. I think in terms of growing the revenue, there's a lot of opportunity here with. Ads, maybe not right the second when we start but certainly in the short to medium term it's something we can look to add once we reach a a certain amount of traffic so we can certainly turn on that different channel monetization with ads and we can also grow our affiliate revenue quite significantly i think as the site grows in authority as we create better content we rank better just do kind of what the the site is supposed to do there in general. I think there's a lot of opportunity as well to branch into things like electric bikes. I know it's covered a little bit on the site, but...
0: It is actually. Electric tricycles is
1: one of their top pages. <laughs> which, you know, makes sense. You'd imagine that's like a Low lower, comp- lower competition keyword. There are dedicated electric bike sites that just focus on electric bikes, have very high authority. And so competing on on those is going to be hard, but I think it's something we could, we could potentially get to in the sort of medium term
0: yeah the thing is like the first challenge is to get good ad networks basically for me good at networks is like media vine i think these are the two golden standards a lot of people use asoic asoic can make good money but it conflicts with our tech setup and it tends to be annoying and just in general just like getting ads on like low traffic sites doesn't make that much money so given the fact that we are working with that budget we've already spent a sizable amount of money like We're not at like a few hundred bucks that we would make from ads at this point, so I'd rather just like walk my way to these premium ad networks, Mediavine or Adstrife. If you want the traffic socials for that, if you want to get on Mediavine, it's 50,000 visits. Right now, it was 16,000 visits, I think, at the time of purchase. And if you want to get the site on Adstrife for your first site, it's 100,000 visits, but if you already have sites on there, we do have sites on Adstrife, then it's only 30,000. So it's like, basically for us, If we purchased it, we'd need to hit 30,000 to get it on the premium network. If you are not on any premium ad network already, then you'd need to hit 50,000 to get on Mediavine, which honestly is, I would say, equivalent to Drive, depending on people. Some people make more money with one, more money with the other, but they're in the same league, basically. So for me, that would be kind of like, the interest of doing that as well is that we'd get to create lots of informational content that increases our topic authority, so like we'd be becoming like more of a bike site, not just a bike review site. And we'd be able to use that informational content to build links. So like we can do skyscraper stuff, we can do outreach, etc. And we can start closing that gap. You know, I was talking about these sites that are in the DR50 range, something like that, that get lots of traffic. We can start closing that gap with these sites slowly so that we can start playing in their league. And then it opens up more keyword opportunities on the affiliate range directory. In that case, I like the idea of like pushing info content because it kind of like kills three birds in one stone. That's a lot of birds. And so I think that's what I would push for first. So that would be our day one. Pro- Basically, the way we did this is like we have first project, we do that. Actually, we didn't talk about another thing before we jumped into that. I think I forgot. When we get the site, as I, we talked about the inventory issues, and like we checked the site before we bought just now. And then there's lots of out of stock products, there's lots of expired products on Amazon, et cetera, Sort So of, I guess the first thing to do is actually fix all of that and change the product recommendation so that yeah. day one. earnings can go back up. Yeah. So that's kind of like the the only task I would do on day one. I would not change the design. I would not change the tech. I would not change anything. I just make sure when you go on an article, you can buy the product that is recommended. That's it. And for that, we can uh, either use apparently Amazon for some accounts is actually making like uh, recommendations of like out of stock products. So you don't need to buy another tool. And the other tool, what was it, Mark?
1: It's AMZ Watcher. It's a SaaS tool that allows you to scan your site and monitor it for broken Amazon links, non-affiliate Amazon links and out of stock products. And it'll set up uh, alerts to let you know when something goes out of stock. There's also a there's a free Chrome plugin called Keeper which is useful maybe not at this stage but as you're writing the content and you know looking through the products on Amazon, it can give you like a price history and if there's no price history data then that's going to indicate that it's out of stock. So it's essentially if you see that a product's been out of stock a lot as you're writing the article, then you maybe don't want to include that product in your roundup review or your, your review at all.
0: Yeah. So day one, fix that. And that's the only thing I would do, like, you know, it's really like, I mean, it's probably going to take a couple of days. It's not just a one day thing if you fix several pages, but the site is not that big as well. So fix that, get your revenue as high as possible while you work on the rest. And after that first project is like, okay, let's expand info content. Let's tie it to some skyscraper campaigns, and let's grow. Uh, let's use the existing domain authority to answer very basic questions. So the way you tend to find these kind of like easy keywords is you'll type keywords related to your niche, so like bike, bicycle, tricycle, road safety as well. Like you know, think about like all the topics that you could be talking about, and check the questions report in Ahrefs. That's what I use. I'll use a tool like Low for example, that allows you to find a bunch of these like really easy keywords with traffic get these written. I guess you need a writer here, but that's where we start using our budget that's left over because you need some volume. It's like, it's not going to be like five articles we're done. You need like, I don't know, 50 to 100 articles maybe to like- At
1: least. But what we're really trying to do is not just write those articles and then forget It's build a continuous flow of articles coming in. So if you don't have the budget, you could obviously do it yourself. But if you want to hire writers, then there's two kind of approaches that- could work here. ProBlogger, so we've talked about this quite a lot on the podcast, but they have a jobs board, problogger.com slash jobs, about $150 for a a job ad, and you'll probably get 100, 150 applicants for a role like this on a cycling site, I would think. Now, the main thing you wanna do here is screen applicants so that they are for people who have cycling experience. You don't want just a general SEO writer who can research cycling and write. You want someone who has a bike, cycles a lot, knows the ins and outs, and can really help you deliver great content. So if you're not finding those people in ProBlogger, another approach you can actually take as well is to just reach out to other freelance writers who have written on other sites, preferably big sites that have done well and their content is ranking. So really just look through the SERPs at people who are writing the types of articles that you have planned out or that you want to create and then see if they'd like to write for you as well. Just outreach to them and kind of make them an offer. You're probably going to have to pay a little bit more than average if you do that. So you probably pick up a writer and pro blogger for six cents a word. I'd say that's probably about the the average for for a cycling writer like this. But if you're reaching out to people, you might have to kind yeah, of up them. that a little bit to eight or ten cents, in order to get them to to come work for you, kind of thing. If they they've already got other clients, so that would be take probably both of those two approaches at the same time, just to get it going as fast as possible. And then I'd uh, I'd speak to them, have a little call and then get them to do a test article and the ones that I like I would uh, I'd hire and start working with them on, on content
0: yeah. And you just, as you said, it's kind of like the pipeline. You just want to keep it going. Definitely start with topics that are about the topics that are already treated on the site so that you can have these internal links and then you can have these topical relevancy. So for example, this site talks about tricycles because these are easy keywords, like these electric tricycles, et cetera. I'd start there actually to look for more. And then helmets as well, like questions like, can you reuse a helmet after you had a crash? How to take care of your helmet? How to adjust it properly so it's safer? Like these kind of questions would be like what I would go for. And I would just keep this flowing, basically, like simple and easy with good internal links. And my goal is to increase my traffic to... 30 or 50K basically. So that's step one. Let's build that process. I give ourselves a month to do that, to find the writer, do the test, write test article, do the planning, do all of that. So I think a month is fair to do that actually. I'd use Surfer SEO by the way to optimize this, like this kind of content, like it's very SEO driven. I'd definitely use Surfer. So that's the first one.
1: Would you go back and like optimize, SEO optimize the existing content that's on there in that time?
0: Depends how it's performing. If it's already ranking well, maybe not. But like if it's not ranking too well, I mean, it depends. Like for that phase, not so much because that phase is really just about info content. And it's honestly like I can probably count on two hands how many info pages there is on this site. So it's not a lot. So like the thing is like, you know, teaching your writers to reoptimize content is like a whole different beast than writing new articles. And so you'd have to ask the question, like, is it even worth the time? Or should we just leave what's here and just expand? Because we need like, as I said, a hundred articles or something like eventually that the percentage of existing info content here is going to be very small out of the total pool of info content. So it's like, do I even bother with that? If I just have 90 days, maybe not actually, even though ideally you'd want to do that and that would be better, etc. I think eventually it's such a small percentage of uh, existing content, it's not worth the hassle. I'd rather jump on the next project that I think is going to bring more value than that. And then we can look at this after the 90 days if we're still working on the site basically. Because the next project is, we need some links. As I said, the site has good links but lacks of like high authority links, you'd be hard-pressed to find anything above the r 50 in this one. I found the one DR70 site that links to them, and then everything else is in the DR40 range. So I think it's missing a handful of high authority links to hopefully do a lot better. And so like the plan is like, okay, how do we get these high authority links that together with that big batch of info content is going to lift us up not only for being able to be on ad networks, but also lift up our roundup reviews and put us in a position to be more competitive on the affiliate side in the next phase. Yeah,
1: basically. there's a few different approaches that we take. If we spend most of the second month doing link building or focusing on link building, getting the processes going, which would continue to run indefinitely beyond that. So. With the idea of getting these sort of like higher authority links, higher DR links, there's three general approaches we would take. The first being Haro. Now, I don't think Haro is a make or break for this. There's only five, maybe 10 relevant opportunities per month related to cycling, but it's an easy win We could, and we should be in the mix for that. So I would it only takes like an hour or so to get this process going, but like sign up for it. Get it going, make a process where you're checking it at the the right times and looking for cycling related or bicycle related questions. And there have been a few on there recently about, you know, the environmental impacts of biking or even just like product questions like what is the best electric bike and choosing helmets, safety, those kinds of things. And so I think... If we didn't know the answers ourselves, like certainly our writers or our team on hand would, would be able to help us. Um, and we'd, we'd be able to get maybe one or two links a month through Harrow. But it's free and it's an ongoing thing. So I think I would certainly start there. But very quickly afterwards, I would also start doing some outreach based link building. So there's two, I would break this down into to two approaches. So first would be to build a list of 50 or 100 ideal sites that you want to link from. These would be all the best sites in the cycling industry, in the bicycle industry, and anything related. Some would be competitors, some would be slightly different, but I would make that top 50 or top 100 list, either through, you pick a lot of these sites up through doing keyword research, you can look in competing domains and Ahrefs, just in the SERPs, like who's ranking for popular cycling terms, and kind of learn about all the sites there. You can Google best cycling blogs and find them there, or even just look on Reddit and see what sites people are recommending for resources and I'd start building that list. Now the challenge with getting links from them is that you're currently low DR and probably don't have much of a reputation in the industry. So is anyone really going to take note of you? If you want to do like a link exchange, it's probably not going to be in their their favor. So they're probably not going to give you the time of day. So there are two ways you could overcome that. First is you could aim to become a regular contributor on a higher authority site. So you basically would take a writing job, writing an article a week or two articles a month or something on another high authority site. And you would. You could either do it for free in exchange for being able to post your, your post links and stuff on there, or you could actually just deliver awesome content and t- almost like take a job there and get paid for it and and do it that way. But the idea is like you kind of want to find a site which you can establish a level of trust with and you can post on and then you could link to one of these top 100 sites in on your list and they would link to your site. So it's kind of like a bit of a three-way link exchange with a twist. Another way, maybe more simpler, is you could just find paid sites, so sites you can pay for guest posts, pay for links on, and then you can offer a link from one of those sites to one of the sites on your list uh, if they link to, to your site. So another th- way to do the the three-way link exchange. And then another sort of variation of this is to just look for straight up authority sites. And th- these are maybe going to be less relevant to cycling, but maybe more, you know, fitness or outdoors or
0: outdoor. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And there's, there's loads of these kind of sites out there and you can bridge that gap between a fitness site and a cycling site. You know, it's much healthier for you. How much calories do you burn a week by cycling to work instead of driving and all these, these kind of things. So there's a, there's a lot of uh, actually very relevant bridging topics you you can do there. I would be looking for sites DR 50 to 70 range. And most likely you're going to find quite a few paid options in there, which, you know, it's fine if you want to go down that route. I think you could benefit, as long as you vet the sites correctly, you could benefit from a few of those links in the short term, at least. And the types of sites you're kind of looking for, or the way to find sites rather, is to look for people in your industry who have been doing active guest posting. So you can search for like cycling guest post, an inverted commas or words to that effect so you can find other cycling sites who have been doing guest posting. Once you find that, you can do go in one of two ways. You can mine the backlinks of the cycling site that's doing the active guest posting for other sites to build your prospect list with. Or w- once you find each site that's taken a guest post is you can look at the outbound links that that site has and then you find all the other people who are doing active guest posting and then you can mine those for backlink opportunities for prospects as as well and you can go like that basically forever you'll almost never run out of prospects that way now this will yield a lot of sites who are doing paid guest posts and there'll be a lot of guest post farms and stuff in there so it's really important that you vet them properly according to your quality standards but i think in these early days we can there'll be a lot of low hanging fruit and we can i would say that our quality threshold can be a little bit lower that's not to say we're we're taking Ooh. pure spam sites, but it's okay to get a few borderline ones in there to get it going. Worst case, they get they get discounted in now or in the future, but I think a few of them will actually help move the needle. And we want to be moving long-term towards more sort of like sustainable link building by like building linkable assets and higher authority PR type link building. We're not getting into that in the first 90 days. However, I will say I would also, in these 90 days, aim to build one good linkable asset. So there's a site called Bike Radar that has this really interesting article on the environmental impact of cycling. But it's not just a simple, oh, how much CO2 do you save versus driving your car? They actually looked into, well, how much does it actually cost? How much CO2 does producing the bike cost? How much does shipping the bike to you cost? How much extra calories do you need to eat in order to have that energy to, to bike. You
0: when you breathe with the bike, you know? Well,
1: yeah, exactly. So this had a more interesting twist on it. And they got quite a lot of good links from that. I'm not sure if they did them active outreach or it was just a passive thing or a bit of both. But having that really strong linkable assets, something like that statistics-based page would also help you when you're doing doing outreach to some of these higher authority sites as well. You can, for example, find everyone that has outdated stats and you can say, hey, you know, you, you mentioned this number, but it's actually old, here's an updated number. It didn't factor in- It's also not
0: visualized on that page, actually, that you showed me. Like, There's no visualization of that, which uh, I think is missing. I think people would love to share that on social, like uh, some mini infographic or whatever. Like, I think that would be better. There are one or two, but they
1: certainly do do a better job of that. But I think having that in the early days of a site like this, having that one strong linkable asset just gives you that opportunity to outreach to all these higher authority sites and get better links legitimately. Because right now, why would a DR80 cycling site link to this site? There's nothing on there that, that would justify that.
0: Yeah. So that's pretty much the plan for link building, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And for, like, in terms of tech for that, I'd keep it simple. We'd have a G Suite account or a Google Workspace, as they call now, account for the site. I would use Hunter to find. I would use Ahrefs to do prospecting. Hunter to find emails. Although for a lot of this, you would possibly do, be doing like manual searches and you know make sure you're finding, contacting the right person as well. So
0: makes sense So
1: you could. I mean, Hunter allows you. I think it's 25 free link uh, emails searches per month. So you might be able to get away with that, depending on on volume. If you're going, you know, super snipery, and then I would use the free Hunter outreach tool, which is built in built into it, which is amazing.
0: Yeah, and the thing as well is like, it's important to note that it was good that we have budget left because then you can count the cost of HRFs, for example, or the cost of tools like that. And it's realistic within your budget. It's not like, it's like a lot of people when they do these kind of case studies, they forget the cost of tools, etc. But this creeps up quite a bit, especially if it's three months.
1: Yeah, even if you're trying to find statistics and stuff, you know, you could spend $500 doing like a survey or something to get information.
0: Or, you know, Designers just, as well. yeah,
1: just like hire good writers to like put put this together who have experience in, in running these these types of campaigns.
0: Yeah, you can do that. You have some budget for that if you do that. So that's basically, we basically treated basic content to increase topical authority and basically aiming to uh, get ads level traffic so we can actually put ads on the site and we can hopefully some do something like double the revenue. We've talked about links. So hopefully the content that we have on the site gets more traffic and eventually we just start bridging the gap with the higher authority sites. Now it's time to actually make the site a better site as well, which is not only with like the info content, it's just kind of like accessory to bring the traffic, but I think for a site in this niche, I would actually go after a model that uh, I first talked about uh, in this podcast a few episodes ago, a while actually ago, on a site called the Hoops Geek. And I really like that site. They review basketball shoes, but they do it in a different way where they basically built a database of all the shoes they can find. And they made really, really, really advanced kind of like single product pages that replace their single reviews, right? So they have a lot of ratings. They put like the expert rating, which is based on them watching and, uh, putting essentially grades based on the reviews of experts that review these shoes on YouTube. So for example, you know they have, they have traction, cushion, materials, support, fit, and outdoors. And then they, based on what people say on the YouTube video, they will attribute a score from that expert. What it does, it populates their product pages. Even though nobody might be reviewing the shoes on their site, when someone opens that page, there's like four or five expert reviews based on content they found online. And so it fits that in quite nicely. They also have all the different buying options. So in their case, they have Foot Locker, Transport Stocks, etc. You can compare shoes. There's there's lots of stuff basically, kind of like an e-commerce, but as a review site that then lets you pick the platform where you buy and do your final click and checkout. And so I think for the bike market, it really can work. And so I would kind of like start opening one big project like that of starting to build a database of products starting to consume all the content related to these products and build that into a super page with all these ratings. So, you know, like how beginner friendly it is, uh, is it better for off-road or on-road, how sturdy is it, the stability maybe. Like, you know, you can find all these criteria that you will rate all bikes against and essentially then use the content you find online to fill that up and attribute votes for that and build this, this database. And I would build that on WooCommerce, probably. Like I, I think that's what the hoops does. I can't tell for sure because I can't really see that backend, but I actually find a site that goes after that approach. It's a DR53 site. It's called biker ride, bike ride, I guess.com. <laughs> I don't know if the R goes to biker or to <laughs> so I said bikeride.com. And that site is a DR53 site, so it's very reachable for our site. And it gets 400... and 2,000 search traffic according to HF's following, like kind of like a worse version of what the Hoops Geek does. And that's good because it tells me that it can be done better. They didn't do so well on, they put the reviews on YouTube from many people, like you can see the videos, but you can't, they didn't really like translate that into grades and for the different criterias. And that's, I think where it's missing. So overall it's okay, but it can be done better. And yeah, they are. They only reviewed four or five hundred bike SKUs basically, and they are getting four hundred k traffic, which with ads is a fair amount of money. Plus, these are monetized pages, so the ads will pay more money, and they will actually make a fair sales on top. So it's really really powerful, and eventually it can power your roundup previews. It wouldn't be for that round; it would be later, you know. But like, let's say you have best bikes for uh, off-road, for example. Then based on the off-road score, you could actually have your roundup previews be dynamically populated with the right bikes, etc. And you can make some cool stuff there. So that would be essentially the direction I would take to kind of like level up that site, go past like the basic Amazon site with some random info content there, and establish myself as a real player in the market and give it a differentiating point because I've seen only one site that does it right now. And for this market, it's very, very possible to do that. And the commissions are pretty high on bikes. So it's, it's really good basically. So that's what I would do. I would probably hire a developer to help me with that. I could probably build something fair myself, but it's probably would be several weeks of work. So I'd probably hire someone to help me out. Based this on WooCommerce and just have a lot of custom fields in WordPress or custom post type. And then for each bike, you would have a post, and then you just fill, you know, the different scores, the different YouTube videos, the different everything. I would just put the page together based on something like the hoops geek pages, and then you can start without the comparison tool to start with, for example. But then you can add that later, etc. So there's, you could essentially have multiple rounds. But I would aim to have a basic version of that in 30 days, including an option for people to drop reviews for this, so that I could eventually start building some UGC on my site as well and make these pages even more useful. It's kind of like harder to attribute like direct revenue to this but that's going for like that useful site angle that Google wants from affiliate sites they want them to add value and i think that is one great way to eventually add value and eventually make that site better. And also when you look at how much traffic the sites that do that get against their uh, DR, I think it's really powerful together with the SEO content that's coming in and the links that are ticking in from the previous tactics. So that would essentially be the third one. Anything you want to say on on this approach? Like, do you like it, do you hate it?
1: I like it in general. I mean, how long do you think it would take to implement that?
0: Again, as I said, you don't have to have the full finished version exactly like the Hoops Geek. I said, for example, I would probably drop off the comparison Budget. Like they have this comparison budget where you can pick stuff. I don't need this in the V1. I can add that later. But what I can do is I can do the YouTube video translated into rating stuff that I can do with like the criteria. So like, you know, you'd open a bike and you'd say like, yeah, sturdiness, stability, off-road score, like on-road score, like stuff like that. I pick like six or seven criterias like that, that I would have. I would have an overall bike score, like a review score, basically out of a hundred that like this uh, bike ride has. And I would probably have... Pros and cons, probably that's an easy one to add based on the reviews and the different links to buy it, for example. And like different information, like the size, the weight, the frame material, things like that would probably be in there. So it's just a bunch of custom fields. It's not that much work, actually.
1: I think that the challenge is maybe not like technically doing it, but. It's um, filling
0: it after. It
1: is. How do you standardize that? review scoring so like what is stability one to ten what is an eight and what is a six and what is a four you know what i mean like
0: yeah but that's something that you put some eventually you just have someone watching youtube videos all day and filling that up basically for you hire an intern you find someone like that doing that i would put the tech together and eventually like what i would do the best way to be consistent is to have that one person feeling that, I don't think you need more people. You just add slowly your SKUs. It doesn't need to be like 10 people working for two weeks. then you have nothing to do, you know? It's like, it's more like I would get that one intern or something, do that, and then I discuss with them. Like I'd make them do this for four hours and we have a discussion be like, okay, like what made you score this this? What made you score this that? Eventually like editorial reviews, they are biased. It's like, uh, and you're uh, basing your scoring based on a biased review as well. So it's like, what you're trying to do is just reflect all the information you can find on the web in an easy, consumable way on there. And so, like, maybe that guy was like, oh, it's very stable. And then very stable is maybe like a four out of five or something. It's like the most stable bike I've ever used. Okay, that's a five out of five. Or like, oh, it's, it's stable enough. Maybe that's a three out of five. So probably we'd associate vocabulary that we'd find in content with a score, you know, and then they can just find... The vocabulary that's the closest to that index that we built, and they can attribute us call maybe something like that would work, like inside a, a company wiki or something like that. And it's not perfect, but that's pretty much the closest thing you can do to reflecting what people expect. And I think know?
1: that's the important thing. Like it doesn't have to be perfect on day one. You can tweak it and iterate it o- over time. But just doing it, I mean, there's well, what one site doing something. Kind of like this, and they're doing well. So you know, you can if you implement half of this, it's, it's still going to stand you out, uh, stand you ahead of, of most other competitors.
0: And the thing is, like you know, it just it just plays into this like building a useful site that adds value, that also reflects like real usage because you essentially take the real usage of people who have reviewed this and implement this into your content. So it's kind of like an indirect way to reflect that, and you're playing into what Google wants, and hopefully as you keep doing that, that protects you from big traffic swings and all of that, etc. So it's like, you know, we're doing our classic SEO, but then we're adding value on top. We're not just trying to play the algorithm on the cheapest way possible. We're trying to make this actually a great site eventually. And that's the first step to that. That's not everything. We're just 90 days in. Eventually you make these pages better. You integrate that into your render previews. You have comparison tools that allows you to pick exactly the best bike. And you know, you can see the multiple pros and cons for each bike based on your comparison, et cetera. A bit like when you go on an e-commerce, you know, they like compare this with this other one and then they put a table with the features and so on. Uh, so that kind of stuff can be done. It's not crazy difficult to do because uh, like e-commerce has that and there's lots of plugins on WooCommerce that allow you to do that. So if you start building this on WooCommerce, you can repurpose these things, you know? Because essentially you have a product SKU, you run it like a shop, except that instead of adding to cart, you click on the affiliate link. And so like a lot of this stuff is pre-built and you can just re-feature it for affiliate comparisons, etc. And I think that is what... Google means by adding value and how you kind of like take that site from a random affiliate site to a site that's hard to copy and that adds value for someone that's actually looking to buy a bike. So that's pretty much our three-phase plan. Step one, get the traffic up, add uh, increased relevance and topical authority with a bunch of content, and aim for 50k traffic for Mediavine or 30k for Drive if it's your, if you already have a site there. Two, build some links, high-quality links, so that you can actually stop. Bridging the gap with the bigger sites and all your content is better, does better. And three, make the site better by actually making your reviews better, summarizing information about the product. And it's kind of like also a solution to make the site better without necessarily have the products in hand yet, you know? Like you can add that later, but you can start going that path without spending you know, tens of thousands of dollars on bicycles that you don't know what to do with after. So yeah, maybe start a bike shop locally after and just buy all the the bikes and have this kind of like two-way process. But you can start without that and eventually you could work your way there if your site is successful, basically. So that's pretty much for this site? Any final words of wisdom for someone who, for the owner of the site?
1: I just think that this uh, this shows there's a lot of opportunity in... On Flippa as well, yeah. Well, yes, on Flippa, but on buying sites that are in that kind of $1,000, $1,500 a month revenue range. You know, you can buy it for not too expensive, but it can allow you quite quickly to do do a lot of very interesting stuff. And certainly within sort of 6, 12 months, I, I think if we followed that Path, we'd see a lot of lot of traction there, and I think that it presents a good opportunity either to flip it in a year's time or you know just to really like push that and grow that into one of a you know to be a larger cycling site I think it's got a really good base in terms of tech stack and that's you know normally if you buy a site that's like not really built the right way you spend the first three (laughs) months fixing all those things that are broken and redoing the site redoing the tech stack but by picking one that was built correctly we've been able to bypass all that.
0: Yeah I think that was the value of this site like the price for like what you get was really good. The problem with this approach is like we'd get on three months exactly after buying and I'm not even sure we'd even be at the the level of traffic that we need for ads, for example. Like it takes some time to tick in. Like we might be, it might take like six months to get there or something. I, hard to tell. It could be really quick. Sometimes they pick up really quick. Sometimes they take their sweet time. So it's kind of like you're doing this for three months, but then you're probably waiting a total of like six to nine months to really start seeing the benefits of what you're doing. So it would be a bit of a delayed fuse on this one, especially for the last step. I think there would be a bit of a delayed fuse for like Google to start transitioning you to this higher quality sites, you know, with this helpful content update, I think people are like tearing your sites, but they say it's really like a long process and it takes a long time for you to, to see that. So it's like, I think it would take a while, but I think it's also for 50K, that's realistic to do all of this. 50K will cover you probably the first like five months, maybe five, six months total, like buying the site plus doing all of this. Like plus, you know, the, the site's
1: making revenue in that time. So you can kind yeah. of offset some against that. Um, you're spending the money over time, and if you want to do like more of the work yourselves in terms of writing, certainly like it brings it a lot of that tech, cost down a lot. I think tech
0: would save you money. Yeah. Like building the tech for the the single product pages, if you do it yourself, you're probably saving yourself lots of money compared to hiring a dev. I think that's the best the best value. If I was doing work myself, I would hire, outsource the content building but i would do the tech because the devs would take quite a bit of money to build something custom like this so that would be my guess but yeah that's pretty much it hope you guys enjoyed this format let us know in the comments if you liked it drop us a like as well and we'll see you again in two weeks for another podcast episode, which is episode
1: 300 by the way in two weeks time so uh, are we doing anything special well as is tradition we do nothing special for our big big episodes (laughs) so
0: yeah i wanted to dress as spartan warriors but uh, mark didn't want to so whatever. All right. See you in two weeks for episode 300. Have a good week.